Father, we, we come before you. God, who is awesome as you? Who can be compared to you, O Lord? You are magnificent in your glory. You are holy. There is none that there's there's none like you, God. You are the creator of all there is, and you have also redeemed our souls. Lord, please open our hearts. Open my mouth, open our understanding to receive your word. God, open our hearts because who can comprehend you? Who can possibly know you, Lord, unless you open our hearts? So Lord, give us ears to hear. Help us to hear what you're saying. And most of all, when we hear it, help us to do it. Lord, we, we are just dependent on you completely. We can do nothing without you. But with you, we can do all things. So Jesus, we, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. Uh, so today's text is Hebrews 12, 18 through 29. We're, we're getting to the end of Hebrews. Uh, I can't even remember when we started Hebrews. It's, we've been in this, it's a long book. It's a really powerful book. Uh, the children of Israel, it was written to Jewish Christians. Uh, so today when I go through this, I'm, I'm going to do a lot, a lot of background leading up to Mount Sinai just so we can kind of, kind of get the full picture instead of just jumping into this, this scene here so we can understand what they're, what, what they're talking about at Mount Sinai. So I'm, I'm going to read the text. It says, For you have not come to what, much, what may be touched, a blazing fire, in darkness and gloom and tempest, in the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they do not escape when they refused, him who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven? At that, that time his voice shook the earth, and now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. In this phrase, yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Uh, in previous weeks, just in the, actually throughout the whole book of Hebrews, uh, we, we've been taught on the loving discipline and correction of the Lord how we need to allow ourselves to be trained and not resist God when he's, when he's doing this. We need to take it seriously, and we need to not grow weary in it. 
we need to realize it is for our ultimate good, both of our heart and of our life. At, at, the time, our tri- at this time, our trials and corrections seem painful, but afterward it ye- will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We are encouraged, therefore, as, as Josh taught on, to, to, to rise up, to get up, to strengthen the wobbly knees, lift up your drooping hands. We are set, we are to seek out peace with everyone and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. We are to look out for one another on this journey so no one fails to obtain the grace of God. It's, it's good for us, I think, we need to think of our life as a journey. We tend to get caught up in the moment and we really, we're just dealing with the moment. But really, this is a journey. We get lost in the struggle, the pain. Sometimes we get lost in the pleasures of life. We lose sight of why and where we're going. Life just tends to take over and we lose perspective. And sometimes because of this we end up confused or bewildered and directionless. The writer of the, of the book of Hebrews comes to, to this conclusion, the, the final conclusion, this final push to exhort us onward on this journey we're on. We may not realize it, but we are all going somewhere. Those of us who have trusted in Christ are headed to the city whose builder and maker is God. In verse 18, after all the exhortation and pleading and warning, he takes the Jewish Christians back 1,500 years. and That's 3,000 years now. Oh, actually 3,500 years now. 1,500 years between Mount Sinai and about when this author is talking to them. Two million Israelites are going to come out of Egypt. He takes them back. This, I'm going to take you to the story of Moses, though. Don't worry, we're not going to, you know, stay there forever. God appeared to Moses in the burning bush in the land of Midian. He had been there, by this time he had been exiled 40 years. So he's been... He's been herding sheep for 40 years in a desert. I'm assuming he also was bewildered and thought that was going to be his life. And then God appeared to him in the burning bush. God speaks to Moses and sends him back to Egypt. You know the story, the ten plagues happen. Moses brings the Israelites by God's hand out of Egypt. The Israelites leave with the wealth of the Egyptians, excited, I'm sure, exhilarated. God was with them. They thought all would be be well from there. God's ways aren't our ways. There's two million people and cattle, and possessions. It's not like a small group. They're, they're heading out into the wilderness. 
the people leave. And God takes them across the Sinai Peninsula and they're sitting on a beach by the Red Sea, waiting. And then the Egyptian army comes up. And what do the people do? They're terrified. And they all think they're going to die. But what happens? The kids know what happens? God parts the Red Sea, doesn't he? He answers their prayer. Three days later, they've, they've seen God do these miracles. Open the Red Sea, destroy the entire Egyptian army. Three days later, there's no water. They're, they're at a spring that's bitter, and they're, again, they think they're going to die. And what happens? God tells Moses about a tree, and they put it in the water, and the water becomes sweet, and he saves them again. Israel continues its journey. Then they run out of food. And again they think they're going to die. And when they, when they think they're going to die, what, what are they doing? They're, they're, really, they're complaining to Moses about their situation. This journey they're on, they're, they're confused. God just rescued us. We're, we're on his path. Why are all these things happening? Why are all these things happening? This, this doesn't make any sense. But what happens? That night, all these quail come upon the camp. And by morning, there's manna on the ground. And the people are, are taken care of. God, again, provides right at the right time. They journey again. All two million they come to Rephidim, another place. And again, there's no water. And once again, they think they're going to die. And once again, this time, there's a huge rock on this little hill. And God, Moses goes up with his staff. God tells him to do this, and he strikes the rock. And the rock splits open, and gushers of water rush out of this. Because there's two million people here, and cattle, it's not going to take, a little pond is not going to work. So a geyser probably blows out of this rock and, and the people are, are saved again. God answers again. Finally, see the pattern. Our lives are like this. They're, they're muddy at times. We go through trials, but God is with us in these trials. But we, need, but we get our eyes on our circumstances and off of our God. And what, what do we do? We complain. And we need to look back, look back at your own life even. I mean, God tells the Israelites continually to remember. He tells us to remember what God's done. And we get in the moment and we just think, okay, yeah, God saved me for years, and he's done all these things for me. But right now, you know, I guess he's, he's done. You know, he's not going to do it. He's not going to help me. He's not going to save me. He will. Amen. We need to remember what God's done in our own life. Look at the word as well. Be encouraged from the word. God in the Exodus says, he carried his people on angels' wings out of Egypt. 
That's how God himself described it. He cares for us. He who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? The hairs of our heads are all numbered. No, no comment. <laughs> God doesn't need a calculator for mine, but you know. Uh, God's ways are not our ways. And this is the hard part. Because we get to thinking, why doesn't God do it this way? And often our prayers are like that. Well, God, why don't you do this, and why don't you do that? And if you just did this, this would fix this problem, and I wouldn't have this difficulty, and he wouldn't have this problem. His ways are not our ways. He wants us to, to look to him completely. And, and, that's, and that's the intent of this. These testings we have, through these things, it says God tested them. He was testing the children of Israel. He's, he wants us to see what we've got inside us so that we fully give it all to him and fully trust in him. He wants us to come to the end of our own selves and say, Jesus, take it all. Jesus, I want, I want you to have it all. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let go of this. I'm not going to try to run this myself anymore. So finally, three months after, this is, this is just during a three-month period all this stuff happened. Finally, this, these two million people and animals, they reached the mountain. So now we're getting somewhere. The Israelites are, were told to consecrate themselves and to wash their clothes. For it says in Exodus, it says, For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Wow. God is going to come down. Now all these people, steeped in Egyptian idolatry, Moses shows up and tells them about the God of their father Abraham. Just try to think where these people, what their perspective is on life and where they're coming from. They're coming, they're essentially, it's kind of a, I'm sure it's a mixture of the gods of their fathers, what, they do, what little they know about the real God and all the Egyptian culture that was around them. So they're, they're, they're a mixed multitude with mixed ideas. So, wow. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read directly out of Exodus 19, 16 through 25, if you want to follow me. And this is, this is what, this is, this is, this is the context of what is in Hebrews. This is, this is where they're drawing it out of. It says, On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. So this was not an earthquake or a bad thunderstorm. I, I haven't heard any thunderstorms with, trumpet, with loud trumpets in them yet. The, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in, in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln 
and the whole mountain trembled greatly. So try to put yourself there. This is, they're in the middle of nowhere in the Midian desert, Midian wilderness. They've crossed the Red Sea. The only reason they're alive is because God has given them food from heaven and water miraculously. There's, there's no way those people could be where they're at. And you know, we're the same way. Without, but for God, where would we be? We wouldn't, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. It is by his grace we have been saved through faith. That not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. He's brought us to this place. He's, he's put us in this moment. It's he that's done it. So the Israelites were carried on angels' wings. They are, they are here. At the sound of, and as the sound of the trumpets grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. Do you remember in the New Testament, sometimes when some people have heard the audible voice of God, the other people said something thundered? I just, you know, that's, that's just an interesting part there. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the, to the Lord and look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. As the Lord said to him, Go down and, and come bringing up Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, God is so holy, and without the blood of Christ, we could not approach him either. We would sh surely die. If, if you can remember different places, people had, who had seen God said, I have seen God, I've, and, and yet I'm alive. If you remember, when they, the man reached out to, to steady the Ark of the Covenant, he was struck dead. They, so they marked around the mountain, put, probably put warnings up and warned everyone, do not go past this point on the mountain or you will die. Either we'll shoot you or, or if it, it talks about breaking through to the Lord and incurring his wrath. So this is, this is, this is, this is, when it's, when Moses, it's, it says in our text that Moses even was trembling. I mean, this isn't, I mean, this is something hard to get our minds around. Because Jesus has died already. And we don't think of God in that way, but he is that way. He is the God that created everything out of nothing. There, what can he not do? What, he, he, comes down, he comes down from heaven in a fire. In fire. And the mountains are shaking and trembling. And these trumpets that are blowing are they, probably the angels of heaven blowing these trumpets. They're announcing that he's here. 
So that, that's the setting. Psalm 114, verse 7 says, Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. So now to our text. This is the setting. This is what they're talking about from the book of Exodus in this setting. And the major, I mean, the Hebrew Christians that were getting this letter or book written to them, they, would, they, were, they were taught all these things. They, they know what he's talking about. You have not come to what might be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest. And the sound of the trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. The people heard God's voice in the thunder. And, and the response was not, Oh, that's God's voice. Please keep speaking. God, I love it. It wasn't their reaction. They were terrified. They could not handle it. They, it was so hard for them that they said, Please, Moses, you... You let God talk to you, and you can just tell us what he says. I mean, that's how, that's how, that's how bad it was. You know, you know I, 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 will, I, I want God to speak to me. And any of us that know him, we, we want God to speak to our hearts. But these folks, the way God was revealed to them, they did not. Even Moses wasn't sure, I don't think. Because he said he was trembling. If even, even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Even if a, one of their cattle got out and wandered up on the mountain, they had to kill it. Because that was, remember the burning bush? Take the sandals from off your feet, Moses, for, for you are standing on holy ground. The mountain became holy. That's why no, no one unholy could walk upon it, even an animal. I tremble with fear. God's awesome power and His holiness were on display. His voice was heard. The God of creation. All creation. The I am came to earth. And of course, it, it, it had to be awesome. God made a covenant that day with Israel by that, on that mountain. And we know the story. Israel spent the next 1,500 years breaking that covenant. And, and God, just like when he took them through the desert, he still showed them mercy. He, he, in the book of Judges, he sent them judges. Later on, he sent them prophets and people to help them repent and, and, to, and to try to get them on the right track. And you see periods where they, tried to, they were doing better than others. But ultimately, this old covenant, the law, if you remember... The Ten Commandments are given, and all the laws are, were given at this time. And the people couldn't do it. And neither could have we. 
If, if we were living in that time, we would have failed too. If we were Jews in that time, we would have failed. And that's just not, you know, because it was hot and they were living in tents. Really miserable conditions for us, we would think. It was because of their hearts. Their hearts weren't able to hear God. So to them, it was like an angry, thundering noise that they couldn't hardly comprehend. But that is not the mountain we have come to, thank God. We're coming to, we have a new covenant that God himself sent his son and sealed it with his own blood. Let's continue reading. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And this is, this is mainly what I, focus, what I focus on because he's the one that did it. And to Jesus. Because the rest of that, most of the rest of that, that's the icing on the cake. The angels and all the other saints. Jesus made the way. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. He stepped in. He's the one sitting before the Father. He's mediating for us. Jesus, the one who died for us. Jesus, the one who willingly laid down his life. He's the Lamb of God that died for us. He's the one mediating. We don't have the lightning and the, and the, old, and the law that said, Thou shalt not. It says he, it says, and the, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. If you remember in Genesis, Cain killed his brother Abel. And God said, Cain goes, am I, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, and God said, his blood speaks to me from the ground. That blood of, was crying for justice. That blood was crying for vengeance. That blood was crying for Cain to be punished because of the horrible sin he had committed. But what does Jesus' blood speak? Jesus' blood speaks justification. Jesus' blood speaks mercy. Jesus' blood speaks of forgiveness and atonement, of the, of the wiping away of your sins. That's far better than the blood of Abel. Jesus' blood has justified us and removes God's wrath from us. That judgment that, that those, they felt on Mount Sinai. See, God knew 
when he made that covenant that they were going to break it. They were going to break it a million times over. Because he, Jesus, he, was, he knew Jesus was going to have to come and be the perfect sacrifice. So here again is another warning. And this is a warning we've seen throughout the book of Hebrews. You know, how Jesus says, be careful how you hear. We need to be careful what we're hearing and how we're hearing it. And, when we, and, if, we, and we, if we are hearing, that we're doing it. It says... See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused, who warned them on earth. Taking you back to that passage again. They did not escape. Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. And what is this warning from heaven? It's the same, it's the same thing that Jesus preached to repent and believe the gospel. Jesus is saying, follow me. Jesus is saying, come to me all you who are weak and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying, there is mercy at the cross. I've paid it all. You need to come. And not just come, but then once you've come to walk in the light, to walk in the light that God has given you. And, and as you walk in the light, He'll give you more light. He'll give you more understanding. He'll sanctify you and make you more, make you more fit. You are fit, but in your actions, to, you'll, you'll become more and more like Christ. Because this isn't just like, it wasn't fun and games at Mount Sinai. I mean, the people were shocked. I mean, they'd seen all those miracles coming in. They could not handle that. But Jesus is coming again. He is coming. And as we look, you know, all, I mean, this, since about March of this year, it has been a wild ride, hasn't it? Just the virus and now the riots and just all this turmoil that's happening. Jesus is coming. I don't know when, but he's coming. At that time, his voice shook the earth, and now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. So, he was shaking the earth when he came to earth the last time at Mount Sinai. The ground shook. I mean, it was, it, was, it was crazy and terrible, and the people were terrified. But when he comes back the next time, he's going to, also the heavens, it says, I will shake the heavens. He's going to remove the things that are temporary. And what are the things that are temporary? The things that you can see with your eyes. The things of this material life, our bodies, this earth, everything is going to be shaken and, ta and taken away. 
It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. No matter what happens in your life, whatever happens to your body, whatever happens in your family, whatever happens in your country or your town, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And ultimately, that's what we're living for, isn't it? Or we should be. The Israelites ultimately, even though if you read in Exodus, they said to God with their lips, God, we will be your special people. We will be your priesthood. We will be your chosen nation. We will be your precious possession. But ultimately, that didn't happen, did it? We need to heed this word from heaven. We need to take it seriously. We need to ask God to search our hearts and see if there be any wicked way in us. He, he wants us to do it. He wants, he, he wants to walk with us on this path. He loves us. He, he died for us. To purify himself, a peculiar people zealous of good works. It starts is with gratitude, according to that verse. It says, let us be grateful. Grateful for this. We're not to take it for granted. We need to be a thankful people. The children of Israel on that journey, if, if you read the text, I, didn't, I have all the quotes in here, the thing, kind of things they were saying. Why did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? You know, why did, we wish we had died in Egypt. They said all these terrible things. They weren't grateful. And, their heart, and when they came to Mount Sinai, their hearts weren't ready to hear God. Gratitude. Because what did we do? What did we do to deserve this? What did we do to accomplish it? We did nothing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He, he washed it white as snow. And out of this gratitude it says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. We need to worship him in reverence and awe. So the reverence and awe they had him outside, he is that God. He is that, he is that God that is described in Exodus 19. That power, that holiness. Of course he is. He created us. And of course he's due that, this reverence and awe and worship. We need to be careful sometimes how we approach God in, in light of these things.
We need to be grateful. Thank you, God, for your mercy.